welcome to week five of the story, where we're journeying from Genesis to Revelation, talking about God's story, talking about how it impacts our life and how our story fits in it. As always, there are readings that go along with the week. The readings are there on the screen, but um, we narrow in on one particular passage in our teaching time on Sunday. I'd invite you, if you would, to stand in honor of God's Word. We're going to be spending time this morning in uh, Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor male nor female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in it, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, female servant, his ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. In the passage, not that we just read here alone, but the passages that we've read throughout the week, we recognize that it, uh, there are rules that are a necessary part of life. We have them in school, we have them in our homes, we have them on the roads when we drive, we have them in games that we play. Rules and laws that define the parameters of what is acceptable and what isn't. Uh, through the law, the Ten Commandments, Moses was able to transform this unruly, self-centered mob into a community, a community of faith. The Ten Commandments defined a people, and they defined their relationship with their God. It wasn't easy for Moses to build a community. You remember, he, as he approached the Red Sea, Pharaoh is hot on their heels, and God intervenes and, and intercedes and, and clogs the wheels of the chariots and, and slows them down so that his people could be delivered through the Red Sea. He, he destroys their enemies. He, he brings them out of slavery into freedom, and they rejoice. But then they, then they turn a little schizophrenic on us. They rejoice, and then they complain. They're happy. And then they're not. It's, it's almost as if nothing really, truly can make them happy. They, they are free, but then they get thirsty. And, and, and then they get water, and then they are hungry. And God gives them the, the food to eat, but then they spend their time complaining about, what is this stuff? And, and how come we can't gather more than one day's worth at a time? And so the pattern begins. Rejoice, forget, grumble. Rejoice, forget, grumble. Anybody identify with that pattern in their life? No wonder God called them a stiff-necked people. 
Now, the biggest challenge came at, at Mount Sinai. Moses went up to speak to God. God gave him the Ten Commandments, and he read them to the people as, as a confirmation. God shows up. God descends upon the mountain in a cloud of lightning and thunder and trumpets, and the mountain is smoking. No one missed it. God showed up. God interpreted these commandments, and all the people said, yes, that is what we will obey. Well, Moses kept going up again and again, and one day he stayed longer than, uh, than he normally did, and the people got worried, and they got worried, and they, they lost their faith in the covenant that God had made them. And like a bunch of 10-year-olds with nothing to do, no adults around to tell them no, they build an idol, a cow. I mean, I love dairy as much as the next guy, you know, but a cow to build, to bow down to, and God got wind of it. And the stench of their infidelity invaded God's holy space. They blatantly broke the first and foremost commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods beside me. Not to mention the second commandment of worshiping idols. God is irritated. So why were and why are the Ten Commandments so important? Like I said earlier, the, the Ten Commandments define the relationships of our life. They define how we have relationship with God. They define the relationships that we have with each other. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, we find the, the four essential bases for community and relationship. All, all of the, the foundation of, of how we treat each other and how we treat God. The first foundation is God. No other gods, no idols, no wrongful use of name. It's defining what kind of relationship shall we have with the God who created us. The second thing defines the relationship that we have with ourself. You notice that, that there is a huge chunk of this uh, taken up to talk about Sabbath. Uh, last night, about 11 o'clock, I, I noticed that uh, King Shepherd put on Facebook, I'm, I hope she's not too embarrassed when I share this next service, um, that she just read the story. Uh, she said, you know, I'm a little late, but I'm uh, ready for Sunday. And she said, you know, they spent so much time, God spent so much time on Sabbath and, it, and he just said, do not murder. He must have known it was going to be hard for us to relax and to take care of ourselves. The third thing we learn about the relationships of our life is family. To honor our parents and, and all the things that flow out of that. The fourth essential for a community and relationship is society. How we interact with each other. How we live with one another. The Ten Commandments aren't about a God who says, I want to rule over you, and I want to make your life hard. Instead, they establish parameters of people's relationship with one another and our relationship with God. These rules, these, these Ten Commandments, moved this ragtag bunch of wanderers with, with no purpose other than to complain about water and, and no food into a community. A community bound together by a single identity and a single purpose. Their identity, they were God's people. Their purpose. They were to follow God to the promised land. They were to follow God to a new and better life. The Ten Commandments get a bad rap. They get a bad rap because we, we hear in the news, we hear in different things, people protesting about not wanting them in public places because, you know, telling people not to lie and murder is so offensive, right? To a society. See, God's commands aren't about being oppressive. They're, they're trying to define how it is that if we will live in these kind of relationships, life goes well for us. But we need to see that the Ten Commandments are only the beginning of the Christian's responsibility to God 
Ten Commandments give us a, a minimum dose of what it means to serve God. Truthfully, the Ten Commandments were designed in a, in a pre-Jesus era. You remember the story of Jesus in, in uh, Matthew 19, where the rich young ruler comes to him and, and asks him the question, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they have a little bit of a conversation, and Jesus says to him, um, You need to obey the commands. And so he says, Well, well which ones? Jesus says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you recognize any of that list? Five of the six come from the Ten Commandments. The man says, all these I've kept, Master. I, I've kept all these since I was a young boy. That's quite a feat, actually. I imagine he worked very hard at that. But he says, what do I still lack? You notice that he kept all the commandments. And yet he realized he was still missing something. And Jesus said to him, go and sell your possessions and give them away to the poor, and then come follow me. You remember how the story ends. Matthew writes it. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had kept all the commandments since he was a young boy. But what, what Jesus was saying to him is, 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 that's great, but what you need to do is let go of that which you hold on most tightly. Let go of that which you hold on to more than you hold on to me and come follow me and serve. And he couldn't do it. The Ten Commandments were God's gift to a pre-Christian society. They, they spelled out the, the minimum of what it meant to live a godly life. But there's more than being a good person. There's actually being good for something. You remember another occasion in the New Testament, Jesus has this encounter with a lawyer who comes in, in Luke chapter 10, and the lawyer comes and says, Jesus, what do I, what, it's the same question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? The man's a lawyer. He says, you're, a, you're an expert in the law. He says, you tell me what you ought to do. The man says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, exactly, you've got it. But then Luke tells us that the man kind of wanted some more parameters. He, he wanted to understand this whole love your neighbor kind of thing. Who exactly did he need to love? How far? Is it the neighbor next door? Is it the neighbor around the corner? Is it the neighbor three blocks down? Who does he need to love? And, and so Jesus tells him the parable you remember as a good Samaritan. In both instances, Jesus is saying that obeying the Ten Commandments is not all there is. It isn't enough. If you really want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to live a life of love. You need to serve those that are less fortunate. You need to, to live a life as Jesus did his life for others. The Ten Commandments are the, are the minimum requirement for a godly life. And yet when we look at that list, we realize sometimes we don't even meet the minimum requirement. We covet what others have. We steal time from our employers. We abuse Sabbath rest. We we may serve, say we serve God, but sometimes look at our calendar and look at our to-do lists and how involved really is he in our life, especially when things are going well. It is in those moments that we look at those lists and wonder, can, like those men who asked Jesus, can, can anyone enter the kingdom? It is in those moments that we are reminded of grace. Even though keeping the Ten Commandments is the minimal requirement for a godly life, Sometimes we struggle with the minimum. So what do we do? We throw ourselves down before the mercy seat of God. We confess our sins and give thanks for His grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
Now, I know that you probably don't see yourself as a wretch. You're probably a pretty good person, and compared to most people in the world, that's probably true. But measured against the standard of Christ, you and I both fall short. We can't make it on our own. We can't follow everything we need to do. We need a Savior. And God sent a Savior in His Son, Jesus Christ. Someone once said, you, um, someone once said, nobody is perfect until you fall in love with them. I want to tell you this morning, God is in love with you. No, you're not perfect. But he sees you with eyes of love, the, the same eyes that he calls us to see each other with. And even though you're not perfect, God has prepared a place for you among the saints. There's a story of the Chinese saint Watchman Nee. A new convert to the faith came to, to him, and he came to Nee. He was in great distress, and he said, he says, I don't know what to do. He says, I, I try to follow God every day. I'm, I'm trying, but he says, I'm failing day after day after day, and I'm, I'm not measuring up. And he says, I think I'm afraid I'm, I'm losing my salvation. And Nee said, do you, do you see my dog here? He says, that's my dog. He's a good dog. He's house trained. He never makes a mess. He's obedient. He's a true delight to me. And out in the kitchen, I have a baby boy. He's a mess. He throws his food around. He messes his clothes. He's loud and obnoxious sometimes. He's a mess. Who is going to inherit my kingdom? He asked her. It won't be my dog. It'll be my son. My son is my heir. If you have confessed your sin and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, as the old hymn says, are co-heirs with Jesus. You, who accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, recognizing your own issues and your own blemishes and inviting Him to come and work in your life, you become an heir of the kingdom. Not through your perfection, not through by following everything exactly, but because of His grace. That's amazingly good news today. I don't know if you realize how amazingly good news that is. I trust that you will work to keep the Ten Commandments. It is the minimal requirements. And when you do, you will have a better life. Your relationships will be better. But I hope that you're also working to keep the great commandment, to love God, to love your neighbor, and to live a life doing something good for others. For when you do, you'll be walking in the footsteps of the Master, and the world will be a better place. But here's one thing you need to know. God loves you anyway. We are God's children, not by the perfection of our life, but by the outpouring of His grace. We will never satisfy all the laws. But thanks be to God, when we surrender our life to Christ, we are heirs of His kingdom. Parents are going to come and, and pray, and, and we're going to come to the table this morning.